the Off The Ball Podcast Network. Hey, it's Jamie Moore here. You're very welcome to the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with you on offtheball.com every week and thanks very much for joining me. Coming up over the next hour or so, we're going to be joined by Dundalk striker Patrick Hubin, who just signed a new two-year contract to remain at the club for 2020 and 2021. We'll hear from Liam Scales, UCD and Ireland defender, about his time with the 21s this week and plans for next season. He does expect to leave UCD and be playing full-time Premier Division football next season. And the First Division Promotion Relegation Playoff Series Round 2 kicks off this weekend. It's Cabin Teeley against Strata will be joined by Cabin Teeley goalkeeper Stephen McGuinness who saved three penos in the shootout in their victory over Longford Town last weekend and Drada, Luke McNally great young defender on loan from St Pat's studying full time in Minute, and also working in his dad's hotel he'll tell us about life as a young footballer in the League of Ireland and the importance of playing first team football as young as possible that's all on the way so let's get the show on the road with Mr Patrick Hubin Off the Balls League of Ireland podcast our first guest on this week's Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast is a man who's just signed a brand new two-year contract with Dundalk, Patrick Hubin. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm not too bad now on yourself. Great, thanks Pat. Thanks for having a chat with us. So no you've uh, won the league, you've won the League Cup, you've got an FAI Cup final to come against Shamrock Rovers and lots of reports over the last little while about contracts and not signing and maybe leaving but you've, you've signed back for two years so just give us a story as to what's happened over the last while and, and how you've agreed to sign back for the Lily Whites again for two more years. Uh, yeah, you know, to be honest, it's been ongoing for quite a while since February, and um, you know, it did break down in in May, and you know, to be honest, I didn't know where if I was going to be at the club or not. But thankfully, you know, things got resolved in the last month, and um, you know, it was all finalised then about a couple of days ago. So, you know, it's just delighted that it's you know over and done with now because it's been a, you know a, a quite a big doubt over me for quite a while and a lot of talk about it but you know happy to be at you know this fantastic club now for another two years Yeah we're now in October so May seems a long time ago in football terms and in terms of speaking to clubs about the renewal of contracts so what was the reason as far as you're able to explain to us as to why things took so long and why things broke down in May? Um, uh, there's, to be honest there was, there's quite a good few reasons and um I can't really say to be honest but uh, if yeah it was just one of them like I, it was it was term and it was my term really uh, you know that I wasn't happy with and you know I, I didn't fancy signing just a year deal like you know that there's no security there for me really and you know at, at the age I am now I'm 28 you know you have to try and plan for the future and it's tough for a footballer's life to plan for the future if you're only getting a year contract so um you know, finally agreed to two year, and um, you know I can start planning for the future now and stuff like that. So it's, I'm just happy it's done with. Yeah, I'm sure all the fans as well are, are very very happy that you've signed back, given you know the number of goals you've scored over the last what I think it's 93 goals in, in just over 160 games or something along those lines as well. Um, and in, in terms of the kind of conversations you've had with Vinnie Perth and the club, and I know you know th- there's a new chief executive and a new general manager, kind of lots of bits and bobs have changed in the last year since Stephen Kenny's departure. So how did you find all of that and yourself and your agent in those conversations with the club? Yeah, you know, um, Vinnie always wanted me here. The fans always wanted me here. Um, and uh, Evelyn Dundalk wants me here. It's just kind of getting that message across, I think, to the, to, uh, the owners of Peak Six and... Um, you know, then they, in the last few months, they were saying like, you know, they've, they really want to keep me and that's kind of the way it went and it's just about, you know, getting the right deal done then at that time and that's where, you know, my representative, uh, first of players stepped in and, um, you know, thankfully it's just all sorted now because, 
you know, I, I, to be honest, I felt if it wasn't going to be sorted now, it never will be. So um, I'm just happy it's done and I'm here for another two years because, you know, my best football has been at Dundalk. So um, you, like you said there yourself, 93 goals, I'm seven away from 100 and, you know, it's it's not bad. So hopefully, you know, I can further that with a few more goals, I suppose. Yeah, 76 goals in the league as well, making it the all-time Dundalk leading goal scorer in the league too, which is an honour that you uh, achieved uh, very recently, I suppose. And like, like in these things with the big clubs and the big players, Patrick, you know, agents are involved. It's not just the player sitting down with the manager. There's agents and there's, you know, people on the other side of the club, maybe people over in the States from Peak Six and involved in this as well. So it's not as easy as just you and Vinny shaking hands and going, I want to stay. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's there, there was a lot to it and... Um, you know, every detail counts and, you know, that's that's why it's good to have, you know, representatives over you to kind of help you with that because sometimes, you know, when you're just doing it yourself, which I've done before, you know, you're not really getting the best ideal deal for yourself. So it's important, I, I felt, to obviously have my representatives sorted out properly and, um, you know, the, and my representatives have a very good relationship with the club anyway. So um, it, was, it was just good to, you know, obviously finally get it done you know but they sent over um the owner's father bill was his name and um you know he got it all sorted he was a pleasure to work with and and that's why the deal is done to be honest um today so thankfully you know that from their side they they seen the value of me to keep me here and you know you know all that's happened now in the past is in the past and all, all we can do now is look to the future yeah, 13 league goals a season, Pat, in a season that's been so successful for the club. You know, if we take Europe out and, and you know, I, I know the owners want progression in Europe, more progression next year, but to have won the league and to be so many points ahead of Shamrock Rovers, that League Cup and, and the FAI Cup to come as well. How would you reflect on the season from a personal point of view? I mean, if we compare it to last season, it's 29 goals in comparison to 13, but you've won the double, you've got a chance to win another cup and you're, now you're going to be at the club for the next couple of years. So I'm sure you're, you're happy enough overall. Yeah, overall, I'm very happy. You know what we've, you know what we've done as a team. Um, you know we've we turned around a 13 point swing. We're now what, but you could say we've turned around actually a 30 point swing. Um, you know we're what 14 points ahead in the league now, when we were 13 behind in April or something like that, and people were thinking the league was over. Um, personally, you know, it's a kind of a mixed bag season for me. Um, maybe there was too much going on, I suppose for me throughout the year but you know I'm I'm in games I'm not getting you know the same it's definitely different from last year to this year um you know you know last year I was getting quite a lot of chances created for me this year I'm probably dropping a bit deeper but I don't mind that as long as I'm winning games of football and um you know we're win- and that we're like you know it's winning trophies at the end of the day is the most important thing and um you know I'm maybe not as high up the pitch as I would like to be but you know, maybe that might change next year. But um, yeah, I've 13. I think it's 19 goals overall, and I've 13 assists. So, you know, I've, I could say my assists have kind of taken over my goals in the league. I suppose. So your role then as the number nine with Dundalk has that changed much in season 2019 under Vinnie Pert as it did maybe in the previous couple under Stephen? It, yeah, because just because of personnel, um, you know, we did a lot of at the start of the season we'd. You know, two of our big players got injured in the first game and, you know, that kind of knocked us back a bit. So, all of a sudden, I find myself probably a bit deeper to try and get us up the pitch. Um, but, you know, we got through a very tough period, you know, especially after losing to St. Pat's and Sligo. And um, and then we scored last-minute penalty against Bowes. And then that kind of, we kind of kicked on from there. You know, we've, you know, we only lost, 
Um, two balls the other night was the only game we lost, you know, in the league since then. So, you know, it's it is a different role for, just because of personnel with injuries and stuff like that. But you know, that was that will change next year and hopefully, you know, obviously score more goals. But like I said, it's all about winning trophies and and um, that's all we're doing at the moment. We're still winning games and um, collecting three points or winning cup games, whatever it may be. And you know, we're. We're on our way now to hopefully, you know, complete a treble. It won't be easy, but we're nearly there. Yeah, and I noticed as well in some of the games this season, Patrick, when you scored the goals, your celebrations, whether that be, you know, um, pointing to your name on the back of the jersey or, or giving the crest on your chest and now fist pump as well, you seemed very, very revved up when you were celebrating goals. Were they aimed at anyone in particular or was there any reason for those type of celebrations? Um, <laughs> you know, when you score a goal... I don't know if you ever have scored one, Jamie. That uh, uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you know, a lot of motion. You know, you show a lot of motion when you score. Especially I do. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and um, you know, I'm basically it's kind of like I suppose. Don't you forget? Like I'm still here, kind of job. And um, you know, and obviously I, I, I'm not happy with the amount of goals I scored this year, but I still have 19 and 13 assists, so it's still not a bad return. That's involvement of 32 goals, I, I suppose, if you're going to look at it statistically. And, um, you know, that's what I was involved in last year. So, um, not as much has changed, just the goals have dried up. The chances have dried up a wee bit, but hopefully that changes now in the, in the next couple of weeks. And maybe maybe with the, the whole deal um, being sorted, it's kind of a monkey off my back. So, hopefully I can just kick on now. That's the most important thing. Yeah, scored the odd goal in five side, but certainly not as many as, as you have as well. And I thought that I thought that was the reason just when you pointed it I was there a goal in Sligo particularly where maybe you were you were definitely pointing to the jersey on the back and just going, Here's a reminder uh, of, of what I am, what I can do like Yeah, yeah, but I was getting a bit of stick from the, the small little um uh, posse of Sligo Rovers fans on the far right hand side in, in the stand. They were giving me a bit of stick, so I dinked the penalty down the middle, so I just kind of gave them the sus line but it kind of backfired you know Karma kind of bit me in the arse a wee bit because we lost that we ended up losing that game 2-1 so um, it was it was tough times for us as a team um, but you know uh, there's a lot of league winning uh, winners there in that team and uh, and they're very experienced and have been there and done it and you know we kind of got through that tough period and it just shows at the at the end of the season of what we can do when we're in a run in this league and just like you know we cemented the league with what four or five games to go and just shows the character and desire in, in, in the whole squad and, and staff to try and uh, keep um, our goals in on target and that's and that is trying to complete a treble but you know we've a very tough game in Aviva now against Shamrock Rovers and it won't be easy but you know we're still within a shout of a treble that's the main thing yeah, and just on the season overall, like, you know, the run that was ended by Bowles the other night, given, you know, Vinny tried a new system and a lot of players maybe who, who you know, who would start the cup final and the last couple of league games maybe maybe haven't started or, or certainly weren't starting in that game. But just the season overall, that run before that, the swing you mentioned from being 13 points behind to now so many points ahead, you know, at the moment, Dundalk on 83 points, Shamrock Rovers on 69 points as well. Um, I think it was 87 points Hall last season in, in winning the League 2 like the run has been so good and maybe Dundalk haven't got the credit and Vinny and the staff maybe haven't got the credit and the players that, that maybe you feel you deserve but like the form up until that Bowles game was like red hot yeah it was you know um, 
we were still winning. We were getting through games where you're thinking, how have we won that game as well? And that just shows that, you know, there's a grit to us as well. It's not about just playing the pretty football and winning games, you know, the pretty way we can do with the ugly way as well. And, and that has been shown in quite a lot of results this year. We've been winning like, you know, 1-0, 2-1, you know, stuff like that. Last minute winners and, you know, there's been accumulation of, of that throughout the season. And that's what, at the end of the day, you know, totals up for you to win the league. And, um, there's just a great desire in 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 the whole club to go win trophies and to go win three points. Like you know, we're not even to be honest, we're not even talking about the Shamrock Rovers game because we still have two league games left because we want to finish the league on a high and make sure we have two wins. And and it's not even that. Um, we pride ourselves in not conceding goals either. And that's if that's not if that's gas in goal or it's it's from me up top. Um, you know, it's a whole team thing that. We don't like conceding goals and uh, I think we conceded less goals this year than we did last year and um, you know we we set ourselves those kind of little targets of you know try to be records obviously of less conceded goals in the season or most goals scored in the season and um, you know we we always try to improve um, each season as we go on and uh, I, I think you know obviously our play was a bit different this year to last year but we're still you know, league champions, league cup, league cup champions, and hopefully at the end of it, we'll be the FAI Cup champions. Yeah, what a shame. Cork and Dock on Friday night of this week in Turners Cross isn't the Cork and Dock game of all towards the end of the season. Could have been a, a great title aside in front of a red hot crowd, but I'm sure you'll still expect a, a decent match before you play Pats. And your old mate Stephen O'Donnell is coming to to Oriel to try and secure Europe on the last day before that cup final on the third of November at three forty. Patrick, so uh, still uh, a couple of things to do and, and some more goals to score for you with your new contract in the bag now, and, and hopefully to finish the season on a high. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, Cork, you know, every time we play Cork, it is always like a cup final. I don't expect anything to be different. Even with a different manager, it's always going to be the same. Um, there is that bit of um, bite between the two teams. So, you know, we'll be ex- expecting a, a tough game tomorrow night, like always. So, you know, I, you know, a lot of us love going down to Turner's Cross. It's, you know, it's normally always a very, um, you know, electric atmosphere. And that's what we like playing in front of. So, in terms of Stevie... You know, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's football and it's business. So hopefully, we can get a, a result against them on the last game of the season too. And then the eyes on the cup final. I'm sure there's a half an eye on it now, Patrick, with the league tied up. And yes, you do want to get points in the last two games and so on. But with the chance to, to win that treble and a new cup final, given it, it's not Cork you're playing, it's Shamrock Rovers. Tickets for both teams went on sale today on Thursday, and I believe sales are going well. And what would it mean to you guys, you know, from a playing point of view, to have a record crowd there? I think there was something like 36,000 for Shamrock Rovers Sligo in the first friendly 10 years ago when Stephen Bradley, the Rovers manager, was actually playing for Shamrock Rovers. But, like, this tie does have the potential, if it's marketed well over the next two weeks, to really, really capture the imagination of not just League of Ireland people, but other football people in the country to come and watch it. Yeah, it's massive. It's 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 a massive occasion for the league. Um, hopefully we can... Hopefully they can break the forty thousand mark, uh, which would be fantastic. Um, you know, this season it's the two best best teams in the country. Uh, if that wasn't in in just the league, it was in Europe also for for representing Ireland, I suppose. And um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a great game. Our last game was a was a brilliant um, outcome as well. So I think I finished what three two or three one. I can't fully remember. And um, you know, we always have good games. So. Hopefully it's a good spectacle and, you know, hopefully people enjoy it. Hopefully there's a lot of, um, you know, newcomers coming to the game to to see what Irish football is about. So, um, you know, expecting a big crowd and hopefully there is a big crowd because it's going to be a great game. Great stuff, Patrick Hubin. Thanks for your time. Congrats on the new deal. Best of luck for the rest of the Cheers. season.
Thank you very much. Thank you. You're on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. Very happy to welcome UCD and Ireland under 21 defender Liam Scales back to the show, who started the scoreless draw against Italy in Tallis Stadium and was on the bench for the 1 0 defeat to Iceland. And uh, of course, has been in top form for UCD this season. Is finished college as well and is making choices at the moment about where he'll play his football next season. But having been with the 21s and made his competitive debut, a good time to have a chat with him. Liam, how are you? Good, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having a chat. So let's talk all things Ireland first, Liam. If we roll back to the Italy game on Thursday of last week, a crowd of over 7,000 in Tallis Stadium, a scoreless draw and your first Ireland start. So how would you look back on all of that? Ah, yeah, it was it was, it was was an unbelievable experience, really, like to play in front of... And all, it, was, it was meant to be a set-out. There was almost 8,000 people there, so it was a great experience. Um, obviously, the draw, like looking back on it, it was it was a good result at the time. We felt like we could have won the game, but um, when you when you bring the Iceland result into the equation, it's it wasn't the best two games for us to only pick up one point. But just going back to the Italy game, it was it was unbelievable experience to play against a team full of stars from the Serie A and obviously Cuccioni and Keane who play in the Premier League. It was it was great. It was a great experience, and I, I was buzzing at the time, and I'm still still happy about it, how it went. Had you ever played in front of a crowd, anything like that? I know with UCD, a couple of the away games this season and the FAI Cup semi-final last season away to Dundalk would have been big crowds, but I'm sure you probably haven't played in front of 7,000 just yet. No, no, that was that was the, the, the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. The Dundalk game was probably the next next biggest last year and that was on TV as well. So, yeah, it was, it was I suppose once the game's going, you kind of... You know the crowd's there, but it's kind of at the back of your mind. You're not really focused on the size of the crowd. It's just the same. It's, it's a game. So, yeah. And in terms of like the crowd in comparison to, to some of the other you know matches you've played in, like that game against Sundock, was there much difference for you in you know when you're on the pitch and the things you hear and stuff? And, and obviously, you know, an under-21 match isn't the same as a senior game or even a club game in terms of atmosphere. The crowd wouldn't generally be kind of singing and shouting as much, but I'm sure you can still just hear that buzz of people. I and mean, maybe, you know, the team are making good attacks or, or, you know, doing something good. You were definitely able to hear that support. Yeah, absolutely. They were they were brilliant. They got behind us really well, considering it was an under-21 international. Like, other games have been quiet, but whenever we got the ball even into their half you could hear you could hear the excitement it was it was great it was it was brilliant to play in front of to be honest it's much much better than what than what I'm used to I suppose with UCD with the little support we have um, but yeah the fans were great really they they were supporting us from the, from the beginning and every time every time we had an opportunity or a chance you could hear the buzz around the place they were really excited for it. Yeah and it's something as well I'm sure that you haven't experienced before Liam is you know playing against a team like Italy and the play acting and even the referee and the red card for Troy Parrott and a couple of other yellow cards in the game that were just like so questionable and I'm sure you guys had prepared for you know an Italian team who may be you know prone to trying to make the ref make certain decisions at certain times how did you find all of that for the first time? Yeah, it was tough. They do live up to their reputation anyway, the Italians. There was a lot of play acting and a lot of kind of disrupting the game. Whenever we kind of got on top, they'd know when to like kind of go down easy, get attention to slow the game down or, or try to get bookings. Like, we had a great chance in the first half. Adam Ida was played through and he, as he was running, he, he kind of slapped the centre half. 
but it, there was nothing in it at all. It was just the way he was running. He was using his arms for, to build up pace. And the half went down as if he'd been shot. And we had a great chance and the ref stopped it and booked him. And it was just, it kind of, it, it didn't ruin the game, but it kind of, it didn't help it at all. And then obviously Troy's red card, it was, there was nothing in it. It was just, Troy was trying to take a, free, a quick free kick and Moise Keane stood in his way. And he he pushed him just, just to move him, just to, so he could take this quick free kick and get us going on the counter-attack. And obviously Moise Keane reacted and he got sent off. But I think the the, the ref could have just booked Keane and let, left Troy on and both teams could have played on with 11 v 11. It would have been a much better uh, second half. Then he kind of, he didn't help the game at all. So, yeah. And is that something I'm sure at the other end, you now as an international defender and I know you've been in the Premier Division with UCD this season and I'm sure you'll be playing Premier Division football wherever you end up next season if that's not further afield as well. That, you know, those tricks of the trade at senior level and under-21 level in terms of maybe winning free kicks, they shouldn't be winning free kicks and, you know, standing on people's toes and, you know, if you're in a particular position on the pitch where you know the linesman, the ref might not see, you can have a cheeky foul that maybe the referee won't necessarily see or the linesman won't see and, and maybe at you know 21s and 19s you know that that maybe it's it's not as applicable at club level as it would be at international level and certainly in the premier division yeah like it, it is a big part of the game now trying to like gain as much advantage as you can like a lot of players do whatever it takes and i suppose that teams win from it sometimes i wouldn't call it cheating just kind of getting the benefit of from the referees' decision, decisions and getting on top of your opponents mentally, yeah, you'd learn a lot from from playing at that level. I suppose against Italians, like you learn the little tricks they have. So yeah, it'd be useful. Yeah, and then things moved on to the Iceland game, and I know Stephen Kenny had spoken in the build-up about it being in the mid-afternoon and not being much of a big crowd there as well, but. I think the majority of people, including me, expected Ireland to go and, and given the performances so far in this campaign to go and, and win the game. So how difficult was that? And, and I suppose at this point that everybody was not to win it and yourself having played in, in the first game, Stephen opted to play Cameron Ledwidge at, at left-back in that game in Iceland. Yeah, it, it was disappointing altogether, I suppose. like the, the, it, was, it wasn't great. There wasn't an atmosphere at the game. There's probably 100 or 200 people there at most. Um the conditions weren't great. It was very windy. It was on an astro test, and I thought I think they played the conditions a little bit better, and we were quite unfortunate. Like the the penalty was very harsh. Um, Leo Connor threw himself in front of a shot to block it. He was about a yard away, and it was it was like marginal. It hit his back nearly and his arm at the same time. So it was it was harsh. And that once we went the goal down, they just sat behind the ball, and it was it was um. It was really tough to break them down, but we had our chances. We were unfortunate not to score, and yeah, it kind of it puts a bit of pressure on us now in the next in the next window to pick up as many points as we can. And we're going away to Armenia and a home to Sweden and Antalya. And how did you find the experience overall, Liam? I know you've been in, in squads before and you played in the tournament in France in Toulon as well. But to have been in a camp for two games and to have played one and. You know, to have more experience of working with Stephen Kenny and Keith Andrews and Jim Crawford and, and you know, a number of, of players in the squad who are at top clubs in the UK and, and, you know, playing senior football over there as well. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience overall. Obviously, the Italy game was probably, it's it's probably the highlight of my career so far, playing an under-21 qualifier against against players like that. I probably haven't, haven't played, I haven't played at that level before. 
so yeah that that's a definitely a highlight and every time I'm in the camps I, I learn I learn new things from, from different coaches from Steve himself and from Keith and Jim you pick up you pick up really good habits playing with, with good players as well you, you you learn things from just playing with them the likes of Darryl Shea and Connor Mass and I I watch their performances and I I try to pick up as much good habits as I can from just watching them and playing with them in training. So I think every time I go in to these camps, there's a lot of opportunities to improve my own game. Even if I don't, even if I don't play the matches, just from going into that that environment, it's it's so professional and and the the coaches are excellent. So yeah. And I remember you speaking the last time you were in the squad about the cup game last season against Dundalk which UCD ended up losing in the semi-final but played really well and at that time Stephen Kenny was the manager of Dundalk and you know managers often speak to players all the time particularly younger players about every game is an opportunity to impress and you never know who's watching and you never know why they're watching and in that case I'm sure Stephen Kenny didn't think he was going to be the 21's manager and the next senior manager and I'm sure you didn't think at that time that you were playing against an opposition whose manager will be picking you for your country kind of six months later. So from that point of view, it's an interesting story and it proves the point of making sure you do play well in every game because there's already somebody watching. Yeah, definitely. I, I really firmly believe that I, I had a good game that day against Sundalk when he was the manager and we were unlucky not, not to get a result. And I believe that that kind of influenced him to pick me in, in the first home base squad. And from there, I suppose I did well in the camps and he knows me as a player and he trusts me. So, but I definitely think that had had an influence on me getting in, in, involved in the under twenty one setup. And how has he been to work with? And I suppose I'm particularly talking about the style of play. And I watched the game live in Tallaght Stadium against Italy. And you know the Irish back four and goalkeeper and everybody comfortable to try and play and try and get on the ball. And even the new rule about taking the goal kicks inside the eighteen yard box was something that you know the team did quite often. Maybe a total opposite to the senior team who are maybe a little more direct and. I'm very hopeful personally that when Stephen does take the senior job, he changes the style of the Irish team, the senior team, to go and play and pass it. But he certainly has stuck to his principles with this group and, and encouraged you guys, particularly as defenders, to be brave and to try and play when you can, of course. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll stick to his principles when he does move up to, to the first team as well. Like I can't see him changing his, his tactics and principles at all because cause they work. He's, he's been so successful with what he's done and he's stuck to his own his own strategies. Uh, it's it's brilliant to play, and he just trusts his players. He's, he he wants to win every game, regardless of who it's against, like Italy at home. Other teams may have just sat back, defended ten men behind the ball, that sort of thing. But but the game plan didn't change from any other game. Like he approaches the Italy games as the same as he does, say, for Luxembourg or Armenia. It's it's the exact same. We're encouraged to go and play, to be expansive and be progressive like go pass the ball through the third so it's um it's great to see really it's 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 a big change to what to what Irish teams would have done in the past and hopefully hopefully it happens in the senior team as well and Liam lastly we'll finish on the club because the club has been a big part of your career over recent times in UCD and you know you've won things at college level you've won the first division last year and Unfortunately, the 3-2 defeat to Cork has all but condemned UCD to First Division football next season with a six-point gap to Finn Harps and you know, a vastly inferior goal difference. You're going to play Shamrock Rovers at the bowl this Friday, so I think you probably accept that the team will be in the First Division next year. So how would you kind of look back on that season? You know, It started with a very good squad and then O'Neill and Ferrugia leaving the window. The manager, Collie O'Neill, 
leaves as well. I think a couple of other players may have left the group and you know Magic has come in and you had that great win over Patson in the FAI Cup in, in his first game in charge but since then unfortunately haven't been able to build enough league points to, to make a, a real fight of staying up. Yeah, it's been a tough season overall. Like the team the team we have now is completely different from the team we started the season with and the team we finished last season with. So it has been tough. Um but I've learned a lot. Like I've never really been in a I've never been in a relegation battle before. So I've learned a lot personally and all the players have and I'm sh- I'm sure like over the next couple of years you see will be able to rebuild and there'll be an, a new crop of players coming through on the in the scholarships in the first division where they'll they'll gain plenty of experience just like just like I did and, and all the all the kind of senior older players in U C D did a few years ago. Like I played three years in the first division before we got before we got promoted and and it did wonders for me and I'm sure that the same thing is gonna happen again. And I don't think it'll be too long before you see U C D back in the Premier Division again when a new young crop of players come through and and have a good season like we did last year. And then, from your own sense as well, like you are finished college, and it's something that happens to the top players at UCD with the way they are working their model at the moment. Is that, you know, the majority of them will go and leave and play their football elsewhere. I know you had a move to the UK that almost happened in the summertime as well. Have you thought much about next season? And if you are in Ireland, I'm sure you do want to be playing with somebody in the Premier Division. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I, next season, I want to, I want to play in a full time setup. I think, I think it will improve me. A lot, and if I want to stay in the under twenty one setup, I know I need to be playing at least Premier Division football in Ireland. So, obviously, that's what happens with UCD. You do your degree, you spend three or four years there, and then you move on. So, I'm looking forward to the next next chapter. Right now, I'm focusing on performing for UCD to kind of, I suppose, promote myself. And I'm not really looking too much into it. But when the season's over, obviously. It's it's something I'll have to do, definitely. Great stuff. Well, Liam Scales, appreciate your time. Well done during the week. Enjoy the last couple of games with UCD and the best of luck in making that decision for next season. We'll speak to you again. Thanks very much, Jamie. Cheers. Yeah, interesting stuff from Liam Scales and before him, Patrick Hubin speaking to us on this week's Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. The Premier fixtures this weekend, four games on Friday at 7.45. It's Cork City against Dundalk, UCD against Shamrock Rovers and St. Pat's Bowes in a big game for Europe. That game live on RTE. At 8 o'clock, it's Finn Harps against Waterford. And one game on Saturday, the North West Derby sees Sligo Rovers face Derry City. Now it's time to talk all things First Division. Cabin TD Drada at 7.45 this coming Friday in Stradbrook in the first leg of the second series of the playoff. It's course after Cabo beat Longford on Pennells in City Collins Stadium last week and it's time now to hear from men from both teams to be involved on Friday in a few minutes time we'll hear from the away team Luke McNally of Drada but first it's the Cabin TD goalkeeper Off the Balls League of Ireland podcast Now I'm delighted to welcome Cabin Teeley's penalty hero goalkeeper Stephen McGuinness to our Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast of course saved three penals in the judo as his team beat Longford Town 3-1 on Friday night in the first round of the First Division playoffs Rob Manley the top scorer scored the winning penalty after a 1-1 draw in the second leg the first leg ended scoreless and Stephen joins me on the line how are you sir? I'm not too bad Jamie how are you doing? Great thanks not bad at all not bad now I tried to get uh, one of the clubs or someone to live stream the penals on Friday didn't happen but I've since watched the highlights and uh, it's fair to say you were uh, in top form in that shootout sir yeah, wasn't too bad. Um, a good record overall with Panos this season, so um, I suppose luck was with me on the night. So, what are you thinking, kind of coming towards the end of extra time, when it looks like there's going to be a shootout? Um, I suppose uh, even during the game, like you're always thinking as a goalkeeper, you think 
if there's a pen over which way I'm going, who's taking it? Um, so when it gets towards the end of extra time, you do have to get into the mindset that it's most likely going to penalties, especially as players start to get uh, more tired on, on a heavy pitch. Um, but as soon as the whistle goes, then straight to the goalkeeping coach and chat to him about it. Yeah, because we see often, you know, at the highest level, the goalkeeping coaches will have an iPad and, you know, they may have done some work in the build-up to show the goalkeeper or the goalkeepers, the different players and, you know, where their penos go. So if one is given in the actual match or if one is, you know, a match happens to go to a shooter, you have an idea of, of what the players might do. What was that process for you in terms of, you know, how you prepped for it and, and those few minutes between the final whistle and the shootout actually happening? I suppose, like, when you look at a, a player stepping up, you have to... There's a few things, different things that go through your mind. I suppose, uh, like if the pitch is, let's say, muddy, like it's there's a chance that the foot could slip. So you have to see who's taking the penalty. Have they taken penalties before? Like um, I suppose Longford, we it was lucky enough that Longford had a penalty shoot against Bowes. Yeah. Um. So I was just watching that and seeing how that went. But uh, I suppose the biggest thing is you trust your gut. Yeah, like some goalkeepers, they might, you know, make a decision to, you know, to go early with the left footer. They might go a certain side. If the right footer, it's the other side as well. What did you do for each of the ones that you saved? Did you wait to see where the attacker was going to go? Did you make a guess? Did you do a little bit of everything? No, I suppose like when right footer steps up, but a lot of the time, like different people tell you different things, but I would think like they're going to go across their body. Um, so, and lucky enough, like when Darty stepped up, he was left footed and he went to my left. So, and then the next two went to my right. So, it's, you do have to kind of trust yourself, and especially if you make the first save, you kind of get that build-up of, I can save the next one, I can save the next one, I can save the next one. So. You make the three saves, Rob Manley scores the winner. Talk to me about that few minutes on, and, you know, great video and, and some brilliant photos of, you know, you guys celebrating on the pitch because it's such an awful way to lose a football match, but a great way to win a football match on penals. Oh, it is. And we, we, had the, we had the heartbreak against Cork, like to be... Two one up in the extra time with about two minutes to go, and then them get the equalised and then go out and penalties. It's it's a killer, but in, we learned from it. Um, we managed the game a lot better, I thought, uh, against Longford. And I suppose like when it is an awful way to to lose a game, um, but when you win, it's it's something special, alright. Is this the end of your second or third season with Cabo, Stephen? This will be my second. Okay, second season. Yeah. Have you been surprised at how well? things have gone um, I spoke to Kieran Marty Waters before the first leg against Longford and I know he's been out injured a lot of the season and he's you know been at the club a little longer than you and, and he was just saying about you know the group and the squad and you know the ability in the group that he hasn't been surprised with how things have gone the fact that you're now in the first division playoff final I know you, there's another one to come against Finn Harps but the fact that you've got this far has that surprised you at all? Um, no it wouldn't have like even in pre-season like we knew he had an excellent team um, and to keep the, the majority of the team from last year was a great step because you know you build that core and you can build on and build on, build on the same way UCD did when they won the league. Um, the first match of the season was probably the most important game. If to lose that game three 0 come in after the game and show like management the amount of experience they have to such a young team to manage the game a lot more. And to know that if you go a goal behind, you can still come back. Like, there's plenty of time. And we really learned that throughout the season. That's why we went on such great runs throughout. So, I don't think, like, we said at the start of the season, the playoffs has to be our, our priority. And we got there. Yeah, and from your own point of view, I don't have the stats exactly in front of me, but you've played every minute of every game for Cabin Teeley in the league this season as the captain. And uh, 28 goals conceded in, in 27 games, an average of just over one goal a game, which... 
isn't the worst defensive record possible, you know, given the likes of your shells and, and, you know, other teams in the league, you know, have done quite well in terms of scoring goals. You've obviously faced that brilliant team from Drada who, who you're going to face now in the next playoff who, who have been very, very handy in front of goal as well. So from a personal point of view, you know, you're, you're still a relatively young goalkeeper. You've been the captain and you've played every minute and, and that's something I'm sure you're very, very happy to have done. Yeah, no, it is. It's an amazing achievement. Uh, didn't play the last game, though, against Wexford. That's oh, OK. That, uh, so I played 26. Right, nice. But, OK. Um, yeah, it's, we've built a very, very strong defensive defensive unit there and throughout the whole team not just the back four back three myself like the whole team all starting 11 has been amazing defensively and then going forward you attack as a team you defend as a team so um, but now we've been we've been very consistent a lot more consistent than last year and I think that's where um, that's how we've been further up the table and accumulating more points especially away from home we've been very very solid Yeah you also have the top scorer in the league in Rob Manley who I think gave an interview to the Cabin Teeley's social media after the game and you know he was very very quick to praise you and if you kind of look he's been the one who scored a lot of the goals and you've been an ever present almost at the other end with the defenders that you've mentioned and it's kind of been a very very good combination of a strong defence and, and someone like Rob who's a little unknown in the league given he, he'd kind of you know, been at a few clubs in previous years and maybe not been a regular after he, he finished under 19s but for him to come in and score I think it's 17 league goals to be the top scorer in the league and, and that has been a huge boost to you guys as well Yeah it's been amazing Absolutely amazing. He's been fantastic all year. Um, even in games where you don't really see yourself getting anything out of it, with Rob up front, you know, he just needs one chance to put the thing away and he'll, he's won us games, he's got his draws. He's been absolutely fantastic. So you're going to face the Drogs over two legs. I think the first leg's in Strabrook this Friday and the second leg then Friday week because they finished second in the league. They get home advantage in the in the second game, which is the same routine as, as you've done now with playing Longford. What are your thoughts on, on the kind of games you face against Drogheda this season? I mentioned the number of goals that they've scored. They've been very, very good from an attacking point of view. They've also conceded quite a few at the other end and you've already met them, of course, three times in the league. Yeah, it's been topsy-turvy, I think would be the term to use for ourselves and Drogheda. Like, um when we played them away, we, you know, it was four-one. We managed to get, we handled the game very well. We went on the attack and really, I don't say battered, but we beat them well. And then when they came down to us, they, you know, they battered us, you know, in our place. And then we went back up to theirs and they lost. So you never really know what game you're going to get. But the one thing that you can, uh, you will get is it's going to be a physical game. It's going to be very, very high tempo. It's going to be an excellent match for you. Stephen, is there much difference in the grounds that you play in? And the reason I'm asking is the pitch in United Park is a lot smaller than, for example, the one in Stradbrook and a lot of the other ones in the league. And it just seems to me as if there's always kind of more goals and more chances over the years in Drada, just because in general players are closer to both goals because the pitch is so small and, you know, even long throws and wide free kicks and stuff kind of inside each half, you know, are great opportunities to put the ball right in the, you know, under the crossbar as such. Have you, I suppose, experienced that, that on the smaller pitches there's a lot more action around the goals? There will be, yeah, especially when, if a team's on the attack, like one ball and you're basically halfway in the opposition's half. So from attack to defence, it's, it's a very quick transition. Whereas in Stradbrook, you clear the ball and you might only get it to the halfway line because it's so big. Uh, whereas in United Park, like and like you said, like long throw-ins can hit this panel spot and it's going to be a goal mouth scramble. But yeah, you do you do tend to see that a lot more, and you can, it's more attacking attackers v defenders and in them type of games. Yeah, and of course as well because. You know, the players, as you mentioned, one pass and they're kind of halfway in your half and then one more pass and they're they're like 
able to shoot or, or able to cross or, or whatever and, and that I'm sure means you have to be much more alert and aware maybe in other games if, if a team was kind of just inside the half they've still got you know a back four and a midfield three or whatever to beat but on, on the pitch particularly in two weeks time you probably do need to be aware that things can come at you a lot quicker Oh yeah definitely and that's where you need to be sharp off your line anything comes in over the top you need to be positive you need to make up your mind early and if it needs to go it needs to go What age are you Stephen? I'm 24. 24 to be a regular in the team. I remember having <clears throat> James Talbot in earlier in the in the year, and, and you know he he's done so well at Bowes. And um, like I know the reason that you moved to Cabinteely was to get regular first team football, and you definitely have achieved that goal. Um, how would you kind of look back on on the couple of years that you've had, and you know, no matter if Cabo get through this round, get to the Premier, stay in the first division, the experience that you've had as a young keeper, being able to be in a team playing every week and, and you know the experience that, that that's been able to give you yeah it's been amazing like even when I went up to draw and we, we made the playoffs in the first year was it was very unusual for a team where had been put together just from everyone it was a brand brand new team so to make the playoffs with them has given me a lot of experience and a lot of the lads like in Cabo haven't been in that kind of situation so that but they're learning very quick and they've learned over the last couple of years that uh, this is a once-off game What's the main thing you've learned about being a senior keeper in the games that you've played? As you mentioned with Drada, but you know, more recently being the number one at Cabinteely, what type of things have you learned? Game management, I think, be the big thing. You, and you really just get that from experience. Like when you're on top, you need to push, and then when you're not on top, you kind of need to kill the game a little bit more. Or even like, for example, like in Cork, when we were two one up, it should have just we should have saw that game out with two minutes to go. But um, maybe a little bit of inexperience. From my from my part, uh, probably helped us or didn't help us in that situation. But that'd be the big thing. Yeah, um, be, game management. Yeah, because you see all the time, you know, the manager depends on, on the goalkeeper. You know, if the team is under pressure and you're able to catch a cross or the ball's coming through to you, and you take a touch and you make the attacker come in to press you before you pick it up, just to kind of kill that time. And maybe also at, at the other end, if 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 you've caught a corner and you're losing the game, or you've left a couple up, the likes of you know the players with pace in your team to be able to to play a quick ball forward and. That's something I'm sure that you took time to learn, and certainly at under nineteen level, it's it's definitely not as applicable as it would be at first team level. Yeah, I suppose in nineteen, it's when it was at Bray, like it was all about development, development, and getting games under and getting the experience in. Um, but then once you got to first team, like results are the most important thing. Right, so it's now when to release it quick, when not to release it quick. But that thing only that only comes from playing games regular week in week out. You can't, you don't learn it as much in training because everything's 100 mile an hour. But in match, you need to be able to dictate the game. And I'm always interested, Stephen, as well, to find out what League of Ireland players do away from from being footballers. And there's some great stories in the first division of of, of different players, whether they be still in school or in college or, or working full time or working part time along with their football. What's your source away from being a cabin TD footballer? I'm um, a special needs assistant in the secondary school. Okay, nice. Tell me a, bit, a little bit about that and, and most players in the first division certainly have to strike that balance between working full-time and also being a footballer. Yeah, well, lucky for me, the skill has been absolutely fantastic. Like with any time that I need off for matches, they've been very understanding with it and it's something that you discuss kind of at the start of the year. Um, but it is, it's tough when you come in, especially if you've had a bit of a rotten day. At least the football is there for a release, and when you go training, kind of everything else just goes out the window, and you get to enjoy it. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it can work the opposite way as well. If you've had a poor result on a Friday or whatever, and you know you've had a crap weekend as a result when you turn into the the school on on the Monday morning, I'm sure all the kids know that you're a footballer, but they probably don't really care if you've won or lost the game. You're there to help them, and and at the same time, I'm sure they're great at lifting your mood if you've come in, as I say, after after a weekend where things haven't gone too well. Ah, that's it. That's it. It's it's something that you kind of have to you have to get used to. Like people ask you results, and you're kind of just like, oh, just leave me alone. But um. Now and they'd be telling me about their matches on the weekend as well, so like nothing I get to listen to their stories, they listen to my stories, so it's kind of a sharing process, I suppose. Yeah, and myself and Stephen are speaking on Sunday afternoon, so you haven't been back to work and back to school since the heroics of the penals on Friday, but I'm sure uh, all the kids will be asking you to, to to explain to them exactly how it all went uh, on Friday. You'll be, you'll be arriving as, as one of their teachers who's a hero. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see that tomorrow. We'll see that tomorrow morning. Stephen McGuinness, well done, thanks for your time. The best of luck over the next few weeks, we'll see you soon, alright? Thanks very much. Very happy to welcome Drawdy United defender Luke McNally to the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast for the first time. Luke absolutely flying in the first division and has a really, really good season on loan from St. Pat's. And uh, a goal scorer as well a couple of times, including in a game I was at recently at United Park when he banged one in after going up front for the drugs against Shells in that game. And Shells eventually won the league and getting ready to face Cabin Teeley over two legs on the next two Fridays. Luke, how are you? Good, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having a chat with me. Um, so, yeah, I suppose firstly, just an overview of your season. Luke, you played for... The under-19s at Pats for the previous couple of seasons haven't actually been at Drada before then and uh, you signed a two-year deal with Pats but went straight on loan to Drogs for the season similar to Kieran Kelly the season before and you've been in the team probably every week and probably had a good year so how would you assess the season so far for yourself? Yeah, yeah, it's gone better than I, probably better than I thought at the start and when I first went in I was just just trying to get as much games as I could really um, and as the season got on I realised you know, I was doing well and it's just kind of gone quite well since since probably the time of the summer, so yeah, to stay in the team, staying the team has been great. And uh, yeah, as I say, to be to be in a first division team, which are which are high up in the league and playing in big games like Shells, as you're saying there, and, and Cabin Teeley on uh, on Friday, yeah, it's, yeah, it couldn't have gone much better, really. Yeah, and it's something players at your age face at the end of under 19s, Luke, is that they have to try and bridge the gap between being an underage academy player and being a first team player, and lots of players in that first year maybe don't make the breakthrough at the club where they've been at as an underage player because the first team squad's at a certain standard or whatever it might be. And I mentioned in the introduction about what Kieran Kelly did the year before, exactly the same scenario, had been with St. Pat's, went off the draw for the year and has gone back and, and you know done really well in their team. And you've been able to follow a similar path this year and, and got kind of first team games still as a teenager. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very difficult when you come out of uh, when you come out in nineteens, it's kind of you kind of to make your own path in a way like um, you won't have too many clubs kind of calling your name you just have to go in and I suppose start at the bottom and, and try work hard and um, and then hopefully get as many games as you can at the start and then uh, yeah for me personally it's gone very well but I you know I I didn't see it going that way at all I thought it'd be a, you know it'd be very tough to, to get games and stuff but um, no I'm really happy with how it's gone so far and what exactly went into the process of you sitting down with Harry Kenny, the Pats manager at the time, when you'd finished 19s and the club clearly valued your ability but maybe felt that you weren't just ready yet to go and play in the Pats first team and I'm sure Harry and, and Tim Clancy would have had conversations as well. But what type of things did yourself and the clubs, you know, Drada and Pats, speak about when you were making that decision to go on loan? Um, I, I kind of knew myself the um the Pats were good enough to me. They they said if they want if I wanted to stay on and and uh, you know train away with the first team and obviously my chances would be limited. But uh, but I knew I had to go out on loan and 
and as you mentioned about Kieran, like um, just go out and um, just try to get as many games as you can. The games like here really are coming up against you know older lads like um, centre forwards and experienced lads. They're they're smarter than you and they're stronger, and, and you're just going to benefit more off that in in, uh, in high pressure scenarios as well more than yeah in training. And I just wanted to just go out and get some experience of um, just seeing your football, and, and that's all I did really. Um, and Pats were good to me. They they said if I wanted to stay on and train um, train with them, um, I could. Or if I wanted to go out and loan, I could. And and luckily Tim um, Tim was interested in signing me. So um, no, I I went up straight away. I was delighted. Yeah, I'm sure you can't really replace you know actual games against men as well. And and you know having been one of the best players at under 19 and one of the best teams at under 19, you've gone to a team towards the top end of the first division who you know have been playing in matches where points matter every week which of course isn't the case really in underage football so how did you find that adaptation very quickly to going into a team where you were expected to perform and to win points every week yeah it's a it's a big transition it's um you know it's 19 you obviously when you're in the when you're in the you know the bubble of playing 19s and stuff you take it just as serious as you do now and first team it doesn't that doesn't change but it's obviously now that I'm playing with uh, senior football you kind of look back in the 19s and you realise that, you know, some of the things you're doing, you're playing a lot out of the back and you're probably on the ball most of your time instead of, you know, this year at draw I've been, you know, most of the time heading the ball out of, you know, out into the stands and stuff, you know, I've been defending um, more often than passing the ball out and stuff, which is uh, which is an area of my game which I strengthened probably a lot this year um, rather than I would have been quite strong at um, just technically just keeping the ball and stuff. Which I haven't had to do as much. Obviously, we play uh, good brand of football up a draw there, and it's encouraged a lot. But um, a lot of the time, it's it's solely down to defending, which has been probably the major uh, transition from 19s into into playing first team. And how have you found as well, you know, playing against senior centre forwards? And you know, Luke, if I was to list off the, the number of top strikers in the first division, I remember speaking to to Shane Keegan, one of our pundits at the start of the year, about who might be top scorer. And you know, thankfully for you. Chris Lyons is is on your team, but you've had the likes of Rob Manley at Cabinteely, who's been the top scorer. Kieran Kilduff at Shells has had a really, really good season. You know, Furlong at Wexford, who's a top striker, maybe not with the top team, and and you know a couple there that I'm 100 percent missing as well. But you've had some great battles against some of the the good strikers who you know are more experienced than you and have have, have you know spent time in this league and scored goals in this league. And I'm sure you've you've really enjoyed trying to kind of pitch your wits against those type of players. Yeah, that's us. I really did. They're all kind of different players in themselves. Um, you know, a lot of them are good in the air, which probably was a test. A lot of 19 strikers wouldn't be kind of like that and like the direct ball that they like in feet. But these kind of, these first division strikers are just, you know, looking for goals. They're smart around the box. So you always have to go on your toes that way and stuff. And uh, yeah, as you say, Christy is obviously with us, which, you know, in training, it's been quite kind of easier to transition because we probably have the best striker in the league. So, you know, we're playing, uh, I'm kind of, practicing against the best and it's kind of making it easier now when I go out on a Friday Yeah and like the team has done so well and you know Drodder the top scorers in the league with 59 goals but have also conceded 36 which is quite a bit more than, than Shells and Longford and even you know 8 more than the Cabinteely team who you're going to face over the next couple of weekends as well so how would you kind of look on the season overall a team that attacks very well and, and has also conceded some goals at the other end Yeah yeah you're right we have conceded a lot but um yeah, I don't know. It's it's probably something we can definitely improve on. Um, it's just part of it is sloppy defending, of course, and 
um, you know, that includes me and, and the other lads and stuff. But uh, it's also our brand of football. Like, we're always, you know, we don't sit back wherever we play. Um, we always try and score more. For If we're 3-0 up, we'll try and score. If we're 3-0 down, we'll try and score. You know, it's not a case of sitting back and and uh, trying to hold on to leads and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, we probably shipped probably too many goals this year, but... Um, but we've got to where we want to be now on Friday, and it's about uh, it's about trying to keep them out then. Yeah, I mentioned that Shells game a couple of weeks ago. I think it's actually exactly a month ago. I just saw Shells tweet there with some photos of of them on the night that they won the league title, Luke, in front of a sold out United Park as well. And I mentioned at the start that you actually went up front in that game and scored because your team needed to get something from that. But like the experience of being nineteen years old. And playing in front of that atmosphere in a game where basically it was win or bust. Had you guys won the match, you could have won the league on the last day of the season. The fact that they won the match, it meant that they won the league as well. And and just that experience of being involved in a match that mattered so much in front of so many people for your age again. How would you you kind of look back on that now, a month on? I know the result wasn't what you wanted, but I'm sure for your career, personally, it will be a massive plus to you, kind of looking back on it when you when you start to get a bit older and a bit more experience. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was a brilliant, a brilliant experience overall, obviously. And the, in terms of results, yeah, we're really disappointed about it. And it, it kind of did take a while to kind of come to terms with it. You know, it was kind of win or bust and you could see that game. We always had that had our eye on that game that it could have been a big one. And uh, it ended up being a big one. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't come off for us. But uh, we don't really dwell on it now. But as an experience and as a whole, as I look at it now, yeah, it's been, been really, really good. Like, just playing in them atmospheres, um, they kind of just bring the best out of everyone. You know, everyone ups it at another level and yeah, just a brilliant experience overall. Yeah, and I know the Drogs have been involved in a couple of playoffs in, in recent years as well and the crowds around United Park have always been great uh, for those games and the second leg of this match against Cabinteely will be in United Park in, in two Fridays' time. But firstly, you have to go to Stradbrook this coming Friday, Luke, and they've come through the game against Longford on penalties. Uh, spoke to Stephen McGuinness on this podcast as well, the goalkeeper who uh, was a hero in that one. And you faced them, of course, three times in the league this season too. So what do you make of the challenge ahead? And, of course, the winners of this tie will then have to go and try and beat Finn Harps to, to get up to the Premier. Yeah, obviously it's going to be really difficult. Um, we played Cabo uh, three times this year, win, a loss, and a draw. So, like, you know, there's going to be very little between the between the sides, and uh, yeah, it's going to be really tough to say. Um, they're really strong in in many areas uh, in their team. Obviously, McGuinness has had a great year, and uh, Rob Manley up front. So, yeah, it's it's obviously going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy to win any playoff, no matter who you're playing. They're they're you know they're big games at high stakes, so. It'll be edgy enough and uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it now. I think we have a good chance. And Luke, just lastly, you're also in Minute on scholarship there and you know, you're combining football with doing a degree and also working part-time as well. And again, I'm sure if you do go back to Pats or whatever happens in the coming years, if you do have a chance to go and be a full-time footballer, other stuff like work and, and education will have to take a back seat. But at the moment, you're able to combine you know, a good level of football and college. So just talk to me a bit about that. What are you studying in Minute and, and how are you finding that? The, again, we're, we're now in October, so you're kind of back in the, in the full swing of college, the college football season too, and the business end of your league campaign with the drugs. Yeah, I'm studying uh, international business um, in Minute at the minute, my second year. So um, I'm enjoying that. I'm going in in the mornings and, and um, studying away and then uh, training my drive in the evening. So it's ideal at the minute. Um, the football, yeah, the football is tough to combine the two, but it, I always enjoy playing with Minute. Um, it's not that it's less pressure. It's just kind of probably is more of a relaxed kind of a break away from another team and you kind of have a fresh start in a way. 
um, playing with Manu, which I enjoy. We have some really good players on our team, whether like uh, Zach and on Massey are up at Cabo there. We're playing them on Friday and there in Manute as well. So we have plenty of really good players and hopefully we have a good year with, uh, with Manute as well. And lastly, the importance of education for a young footballer, Luke. You know, it's a story that's being told a lot more by a lot of people, particularly those who are coming home from the UK and, and maybe haven't even done a leaving cert, never mind going to college. But for you and, and your family and, and your parents and stuff, how important is it that you do have something and a degree that... You know, there's been so many players over the years, the likes of your Jamie McGrath and your Sean Hoares and, you know, loads of people have come through UCD as well who've who've been able to play football and do a degree and then focus on a full-time knowing that that is there if and when it's needed or, or even still to combine a career working and football is something I'm sure that, that maybe you might be able to do in the future as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could suffer an injury or something like that and, and uh, yeah, you never know where you end up or what you need and uh, I think everyone knows that it's not a long enough career and... Um, to fall, just to solely play football, you know, uh, just to have that degree at least you can go off and do what you want after that. You know, you can you have a free shot at the football and you can give it all your focus. So, no, I'm just looking to finish my degree first and see what happens from there. Great stuff, so Luke McNally. Thanks a million for your time. The best of luck on Friday, and we'll see you soon. Cheers, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, Luke McNally, and before him, Stephen McGuinness of Cabin Tea. That game kicks off in Strabrook this Friday at 7.45. That is it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you so much for listening and to all of our guests. More from Patrick Hubin, from Liam Scales, from Stephen McGuinness and Luke McNally in the podcast section of offtheball.com. And we will chat to you next week, folks. See you. Bye-bye. That was an Off The Ball Podcast Network presentation. 